Well, good morning to you all. <clears throat> Today I'm going to start in the New Testament because those who preserve the truth of Jesus for us in the Gospels and in the letters were led by the Spirit to draw from the Old Testament as well as the teaching of Jesus. So, for instance, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, in many and various ways God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. And this enables us to see how the New Testament handles some of the difficult issues of the Old Testament. For instance, in Romans 9, verse 13, Paul refers to Malachi 1, verse 2, which says, Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. And the New Testament gives a little bit of a, uh, a comment about that. In Romans 9 and verse 15, he quotes Exodus 33 and verse 19, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And in Romans 9 verse 17, he quotes Exodus 9 verse 16 and concludes from it in verse 18, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And what Paul is doing here is drawing out of the Exodus story about Pharaoh, the freedom of God to harden. He hardens whomever he wills. And just before we get into that, it's worth mentioning that Pharaoh is not one single king in Exodus. The royal title refers to a sequence of Egyptian kings over many generations. So we don't actually know the name of the Pharaoh who opposed Moses. It could have been Tutmosi II or Tutmosi III, it could have been Ramesses I or Ramesses II. And I assume that that is on purpose, not to focus on one single king, but to see Pharaoh as an archetype of human rebellion that began in the garden and continues throughout Israel's early history. Pharaoh is the epitome of human evil, embodying the tragic trajectory of the human heart. When someone or even a whole society places their own values, their own well-being above another, Pharaoh is what happens. Pharaoh is what happens when an entire nation redefines good and evil, opposing God's revealed will. So we see Egypt building its wealth, building its security on the backs of an abused, oppressed, and enslaved people, the people of Israel. And as the story develops, Pharaoh even places his own reputation and pride above the well-being of his own people. An horrific situation. And God has to respond. So let's look at this question of Pharaoh's hard heart. Sometimes we're told Pharaoh hardens his own heart against God, 
but at other times we read that God hardens his heart. So who is really behind the hard heart? And what does this story tell us about God's relationship to evil? What does this story tell us about other times in history or in our own lives and God's relationship with us in it all? We have to read the story very slowly and in sequence, otherwise we will get lost and we might miss the point. So in Exodus chapter three, we have Moses commissioning. And in verse six of Exodus three, God says he knows that Pharaoh will resist the demand to let the Israelites go. That's uh, Exodus three, verse 19 to 20. And uh, so God says that he will harden Pharaoh's heart. That comes in Exodus 4, 21, and Exodus 7, verse 3. And so from those passages, we understand that God knows the hearts of human beings. I think we need that anyway. Um, secondly, that he can anticipate their responses. And that's a sobering thought echoed throughout the Bible. For instance, Psalm 139, before a word is on our lips, you know it entirely, O Lord. Mm. Jeremiah 17, verse 10. Um, Jeremiah talks about how God has known him. But does this mean God is responsible for Pharaoh's rebellion right from the beginning all the way through to the end? Is God responsible for that? When Moses and Pharaoh first meet in Exodus 7, verse 13 and 14, it says Pharaoh's heart became hard. Let me just read that. It says, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. And then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let the people go. Now, there's a translation issue here, um, and that may um, encourage you to breathe a sigh of relief, or <laughs> it, may, uh, it may complicate things for you. But the Hebrew verb, when it says became hard, kazakh in Hebrew, is not passive nor does it indicate who is initiating the action. For this reason, it's called a stative verb. In other words, it doesn't state whether it's Pharaoh or God that is hardening the heart here. We're just told it becomes hard. If you're reading the NIV, you will see that that is how it, it is translated. It's ambiguous, which seems to be the point. Some modern translations have unfortunately inserted their interpretation into the text and rendered this verb that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. In other words, they turn it into a passive verb. And if you read it in that way, you're left believing that God was always the one who was hardening Pharaoh's heart from the first. 
and that isn't what the text says. And as we read on, we notice an interesting pattern emerges. In the first five plagues that God sends on Egypt, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart happens by his own will, or is at least ambiguous. We're not told whether it was Pharaoh or whether it was God. It was, just became hardened. But in the last five plagues, the pattern changes. So I thought it would be good just to run through these uh, plagues with you. The first comes in Exodus 7, verse 22, which is uh, the plague of blood. And here's one of those ambiguous phrases. Pharaoh's heart became hard. In chapter 8, verse 15, we have the plague of frogs. And it says there quite clearly, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. In verse 19 of chapter 8, we have the plague of gnats, and Pharaoh's heart was hard, which is ambiguous. In 8.32, it's the plague of flies, and Pharaoh here hardened his own heart. Verse 8.32. Um, in chapter 9 and verse 7, the livestock die, and it says Pharaoh's heart was hard, and it again is ambiguous. In verse 12 of chapter 9, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. In chapter 9, 34, the hail, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. The locusts, chapter 10, verse 1 and verse 20, God announces that he has hardened Pharaoh's heart. And the plague of darkness in verse 27 of chapter 10, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And the death of the firstborn, chapter 11 and verse 10, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So the question remains, why does the author use this back and forth technique to describe Pharaoh's heart? where sometimes God is doing it and sometimes he is doing it. I think it's all part of diagnosing the human condition, the nature of evil. God called Pharaoh to uh, humble himself, to acknowledge that he is the supreme God and that he cannot redefine good and he cannot redefine evil on Egyptian terms. Pharaoh's response is to reject the God of Israel. So Exodus 5 verse 2, who is this Lord that I should obey the, his voice and let Israel go? I don't know this Lord and neither will I let Israel go. So God gives Pharaoh five opportunities to repent and to humble himself. And five times, Pharaoh hardens his heart. Ultimately, though, I think Pharaoh wants the Israelites gone, wouldn't you? After all this is going on. And so after losing his own son, Pharaoh finally releases the Israelites. 
But it's no surprise, is it, that later he changes his mind. He goes back on his decision. Exodus 14, verse 5, he begins to muster his army. And again, we're told that God hardens his heart. It's Exodus 14 and verse 8. So as we saw, Romans 9 has a lengthy mention of this Exodus event. So let's return to it, because some point to this chapter, and they say that God was ultimately behind the evil of Pharaoh from the beginning. Romans 9, verse 18, Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and he hardens whom he wills. Paul sees in Pharaoh's hard heart a pattern that was also happening in his own day. And this is the context, of course, of Romans chapter 9 namely the rejection of Jesus, the Messiah, by his own Jewish people. And in this passage, Paul is not offering a commentary on the complicated theme of Pharaoh's hard heart, nor is he claiming that God alone was responsible. He is simply summarizing the main point of Pharaoh's evil in the Exodus story, noting that God's purpose to bless his people cannot be thwarted, by any amount of human evil. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you try and conjure up, it's not going to stand in the way of God's perfect plan. And Paul applies that truth to an, this apparent tragedy in his own day. Jesus, God's son, is executed. The highest act of human evil. But it was actually part of God's plan in order to bring blessing to all the nations of the world. And Paul begins to explore God's justice and mercy. And it leads him to the fact that God can steer evil towards his own purposes, without meaning that he's engineered it. Pharaoh is responsible for his own evil, just as the Roman soldiers were. Yet at the same time, there is no force of human evil that can prevent God's purpose bringing salvation and bringing blessing to the whole world. So what does that mean for Pharaoh? And what does it mean for us? When human evil goes unchecked, bad things happen. Bad people can turn into monsters. And Exodus shows us that Pharaoh was responsible for the evil in his heart. And at a clear point in the story, i.e. after plague five, he crossed a point of no return. At this point, according to Paul in Romans 9, God repurposes this vessel, as he calls Pharaoh, for his own good purposes. So Paul's point is not to tell us that God engineers evil. Rather, he's warning us all, don't be like Pharaoh. Specific things happen in the human heart and mind when we let evil urges of our fallen nature go unchecked. And God will graciously offer us chances to turn back. The Holy Spirit is always prodding us to repent. But sometimes we can cement ourselves in a destructive path 
and reach a point of no return. And so God can and sometimes will allow our evil to destroy us. And this is what we find as we read Romans chapter one. And I hope um, this goes some way to explaining those verses too, where Paul states that those who are hell bent on evil will discover that God gives them over to their evil desires. He's got, they've got to a point of no return. It's not that he hasn't given them an opportunity to respond, to repent, but they're so uh, clear in wanting to disobey God and do their own thing that he eventually gives them over to their own evil desires. And if that last sentence worries you, don't be alarmed. The very fact that you are worried is proof that you're not like Pharaoh. <laughs> it means that your heart is soft. It means that you want to do the right thing. And it means that you are already responding to the Holy Spirit. And whenever the Holy Spirit prods you and points out something that is wrong, your first response is to respond to that and repent and turn back to the Lord.